Kinging wave, Fox Beer, Lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Peter's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are July 21st, 2022, it's 7.30 p.m. Eastern Coast time. That means we are live. You can pick up the phone and let your fingers do the walking and give us a call right now at 646-668-2433, and we will get you on the air live. And we've got a great show planned for you guys tonight. We're going to have Joshua Michael Irwin and Cora Wilson from the Avalon Universe film, the needs of the one, which uh, doesn't come out till next week, but we're going to have them here to talk about it. And we have an advanced screening. So we've all seen it. And we'll try not to spoil too much of it for you. So if you'd like to talk to either one of them about Star Trek fan films, what goes into them, how you make them, anything, give us a call and we'll get you on the air. But wait, there's more. There's a convention coming up in Schenectady, New York, my old stomping ground, by the way, at the place where my wife and I graduated at Proctor's Theater in Schenectady, New York. And on our convention calendar, we're going to have a special guest with us, Mike McCord from Fandom Fest. And he's going to talk about the convention, some of the guests, what to expect when you get there, some of the events. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. But wait, there's still more. We have Star Trek birthdays galore. We have our fan shout-outs, and we have our Star Trek news. So you don't want to miss this show. We're going to have a blast. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and with me, as usual, are my Trek sports, and we have the hat trick from Portland. We have David, the donut guy, to start off with. How are you doing tonight, David? Doing good. Uh, doing very good. That's good to hear. We also have, from Portland, Paul, the wine guy. How you doing, Paul? Uncle Jim, I'm doing well. A crazy day with lots of stuff getting taken care of, lots of uh, lots of uh, enemy fighters that were <laughs> putting notches on the side of the plane today. So feeling victorious. And now it's time for some Trek talk, and so what could be better? You're damn right, baby. It's the prelude to the weekend. And wrapping up our trifecta from Portland, we have Eric. How you doing, Eric? I am doing very, very well, enjoying another very nice day here in Portland, and uh, excited to have Joshua back on the show tonight. It's going to be fun. And now we'll swing over to Las Vegas, where we have Charles. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. An extra good day for the air conditioning. I know a few yeah. of you will cringe when I say the news says 109, my phone says 111. 
ridiculous. Well, you know what? It's 85. I've got my fan on, which I never have to do. So it's 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 hot everywhere, I think. So, anyways, guys, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Trek Talking and beyond. Spell that all out. We have 107,792 followers on our Facebook page. We'd love to add you to our ever-growing Star Trek family. When you get over there, pinned to the top of the page, you will see the live long and prosper. All you need to do is pop in there and tell us where you're listening from. Each and every week, yours truly, Uncle Jim, picks 20 lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name, you want to tune in because you're going to be personally mentioned on a fan shout-out like these next 20 lucky listeners are. So, Eric... Let's get started with our fan shout-outs. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to Pedro Nikolaus from Hattersheim, Germany. Pedro, thank you so much for listening to us right there in the center of Europe. We always appreciate folks from Germany saying hi to us and kapla to you. We're also saying hello to Claire Elizabeth Wallace over there in Nottingham in the U.K., uh, lots of support from our friends across the pond. So thank you very much, Claire. Live long and prosper to you. We got a special shout out going out to Denise James, spelled with a J, and you'd say to yourself, but that doesn't make any sense. Well, they're from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and they say, I've been hooked on Trek for as long as I can remember, having watched it from a young age with my dad. Oh, and it's pronounced like Denise, but with a J, smiley face. So there you go, Denise. Thank you for clarifying that. We appreciate it, and we always love support from our brothers and sisters to the north, and Toronto's one hell of a city. Top fan Marisol Rios Berrios in Southern Oregon. Marisol, I've probably been somewhere that you are or close to it. Uh, thank you for supporting from uh, the Hat Tricks home state, I'll say. <laughs> Although Southern Oregon is a long way away, but thank you for carrying the torch down there for us. Charles, who would you like to say hello to? Let's start off with Andy Bendo from Pensacola, Florida. Jason Maltz, far north California, north California town, Weecow. Don't know exactly where Weecow would be. Weed, California. Been there. All right. Wow, that's cool. Michelle Zylinski, live long and prosper in peace. Greetings from... Fairmar, a small island in Germany. Top fan, Ronnie Riggs from Las Vegas, Nevada. I did a quick look up on him. I don't know him personally, but he and I have a very friend in common of Robert Nash. So, good to see you on the page, Ronnie. David, who do you have out there? Yeah, first I'd like to give a thank you for Anthony Johnson from Virginia, USA. Thanks for listening to us. And uh, next one would be Teresa Royodon. Royodon, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, If it's like the author, it's weird. Okay. Uh, She is from Huntington Beach in California. And the next one goes out to a top fan, Sue Mc. Intosh, McIntosh, <laughs> uh, Canterbury, New Zealand. 
my last on the list would be Christopher S. Jacobs from Arizona. Paul, who's on your list? Oh, my goodness. I love this segment because it always reminds me that we have fans and listeners on the entire populated planet that love Star Trek and tune in to uh, check us out. Uh, way over in one of my favorite places, Scotland, in Falkirk, Scotland, Paul Quinn. I love Scotland because I am somewhat Scottish in my ancestry, so I'm pretty excited about that. But how cool is that name of that town, Falkirk? I'm sorry, that's just super badass. So, Paul Quinn, you're in a great place, my friend. Thank you for listening. A hearty kapla to Valikso Ferenik in Hungary, in Budapest, to be precise. Thank you so much for listening and paying attention to Trek and all the good things from way over there. And finally for me, no, I actually have a couple more here. Let's take a look. First of all, we have Marcin Jedrecki in Poland, <laughs> which... Uh, Marcin uh, affectionately says is otherwise known as the middle of nowheresville. I don't know if that's true. Come on, Marcin. There's a lot going on over there. And finally, in Belgium, a lovely, live long, and prosper hello from Dimitri Dubeloy. Uh, thank you for listening, and thank all of you for being fans of Star Trek and this humble show. Jim, what about you, brother? And wrapping up our fan shout-outs, I want to say kapla. To Angelo Ruiz, who's listening in Rome, New York. We also want to say thank you to Jim Crowley, who's listening from Boston, Massachusetts. Top fan Bob Wexler, who's listening to us in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And last but not least, we want to say kapla and live long and prosper to Stephen Allen Rubens, says, born in New York City, but now I live in Galveston, Texas. So that wraps up our fan shout-outs, guys. If you'd like to hear your name on a future fan shout-out, head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, and just tell us where you're listening from. Look for a heart next to your name, and then tune in to the next show and listen for your name. We're about to do our Star Trek birthdays, but before we do that, we have to take a quick break, so don't touch that dial. Hi there, this is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or are planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans, and we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger at facebook.com slash trektalkingandbeyond or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage. Don't miss Fandom Fest New York featuring special guests, vendors, artists, esports, tabletop games, and so much more. Fandom Fest, a unique con experience at Proctor's, August 12th through 14th. Have you always wanted to tour the Enterprise? Would you like to meet Jim and Eric from Trek Talking in a live setting? Then join us August 19th through the 21st in Ticonderoga, New York for Trek Conderoga 2022. 
Star Trek The Next Generation stars Gates McFadden, John Delancey, and Brent Spiner will be headlining the event. Leading tours of the painstakingly recreated USS Enterprise TOS sets, participating in bridge chats, and much more. Trek Conderoga 2022 is your chance to meet some of your favorite Next Generation actors in a setting with small crowd sizes and easy accessibility to the stars. Don't forget to swing by the Trek Talking Table to see Uncle Jim and Eric. We'd love to meet you. Engage. Welcome back, guys. It's time for our Star Trek birthdays. But before we dive into that, we got to hear from Worf. That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys, this is the part of the show where we wish happy birthday to all of our Star Trek family, but we always start out first with remembering those who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Our very first remembrance this week will go out to actor Kevin Lynch, who played the character of Chief Engineer Vanderberg in TOS's episode, Devil in the Dark. Definitely one of my favorite episodes from TOS. Um, However, this was one of some 200 other television appearances he would have uh, throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, and uh, into the early 80s including lots of stuff, uh, definitely known as Police Sergeant Grover on McLeod. And uh, believe it or not, Jim, he was on one of your shows. Uh, He was on an episode of Galactica 1980, uh, the night the Cylons landed. So the the later version of the original series, he was on an episode of that. So Ken Lynch would have had a birthday this week, and happy birthday to him. We're also saying happy birthday to Nan Martin, who played Victoria Miller in TNG's episode Haven. Um, she also uh, was a voiceover actor um, with many, many credits, um, lots of Broadway credits, uh, was in something with uh, DeForest Kelly way back in the day and worked all the way up until 2005 when she appeared uh, on the NBC series Las Vegas. So happy birthday to Nan P- Martin, who played a great Victoria Miller. Also happy birthday to Camille Saviola, who played Kai Opaka in DS9, one of my absolute favorite characters and when they killed her I was like you gotta be kidding me and I was like ah, I'm freaking out but then they brought her back the same episode so it was okay um, <laughs> believe it or not I don't know if you guys know this or not but she was also the singer in a rock and roll band the Margot Lewis Explosion way back in the 70s so imagine Kai Opaka um, fronting a rock band I just love that image um, dude that's a and- great band name what was that again <laughs> Margot Lewis Explosion. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. That's beyond yeah, awesome. I think that's pretty cool. So Camille Saviola, thank you so much for a great role. Um, just a great, great role. I love Kyle Pocket and DS9, and uh, happy birthday and remembrances going out to her. We're also saying uh, happy birthday to Felix Locker, uh, who, of course, was best known as Dr. Robert Johnson in TOS's episode, The Deadly Years. Um, uh, we're also saying happy birthday to actor Philip Pine, who played Colonel Green in TOS's yeah. episode, The Savage Curtain. And what a, what a great, yeah, <laughs> I love that reaction. I love what Colonel great, Green, man. He's great. Colonel Green's awesome. He's, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, that guy is like, and you know what? That that kind of like stoicism, I guess, or whatever it is that he has, not evil. Uh, not the evil, of course, but you know, he also <laughs> appeared uh, on Gunsmoke, The Untouchables, Twilight Zone, Bonanza, Mission Impossible, like all of these roles, um, which I think fit right in with his character. He actually. Um, was cast to play the brother of Leonard Nimoy uh, in a uh, an episode of Wagon Train as well. So there you go, lots of Philip Pine <laughs> trivia for you. Happy birthday, and to he him! Wasn't and... an admiral. Yeah, that's right. He wasn't, yeah, he was an admiral. He's only a colonel. Still rotten, but only a colonel. <laughs> uh, happy birthday and remembrance is also going out this week to Caroline H. Berry. Uh, who played Metron in TOS's episode, the Metron, I guess I should say, in TOS's episode, Arena. Great role. Um, love love the portrayal of just kind of like being off in the distance and, you know, uh, issuing orders from on high. Interestingly enough, 21 years after that appearance, she would also portray a female engineer uh, in the first season of TNG, episode Home Soil. So she did make her way back to Star Trek 21 years after being the Metron, which I think is pretty cool. Lots and lots of guest spots on TV and movies throughout the 60s and 70s. In a cool old horror film, co-wrote and starred in a film called Dark August. Um, so go check it out. Caroline Berry would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday to Perry Lopez, who played Lieutenant Esteban Rodriguez, uh, if I remember right, one of only two Spanish-sounding names in all of TOS, and the other guy was just did not look Spanish, which was kind of interesting, Jose. But Lieutenant Esteban Rodriguez definitely was a Spanish-looking gentleman in TOS's episode, Shore Leave, another great, uh, fun, I'd say, episode. <laughs> he started out his career with an uncredited role uh, back in 1954 in Creature from the Black Lagoon. So he was in that movie and later had a recurring role in Zorro. So this guy made it around and he looked so rugged and so cowboyish that he was in the rifleman Bonanza wagon train, the Virginian. And then later on did wild wild West. um, And then mod squad, Charlie's angels heart to heart in the eighties. So this guy uh, made his way around the way too. So Lieutenant Esteban Rodriguez, great role. Perry. Plus he was in Chinatown. He was in China. He was in Chinatown, too. I mean, Freaking legendary. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Paul, for making sure I didn't miss that one. So happy birthday. <laughs> Sorry, I love Chinatown. No, no, you got to bring that up when I miss those good ones. So Perry Lopez would have had a birthday this week. Thank you all. And our last remembrance goes out to Anthony James, who played Subcommander Tay in TNG's episode, The Neutral Zone. Uh, this gentleman, uh, you may remember that he was a very older gentleman in that episode. Well, he was a self-taught actor and didn't actually start his career until he was like 73 years old or something, way, way later in his life. Um, he was also in some Buck Rogers. Uh, he was in Naked Gun Two and a Half. So <laughs> uh, all over the place. Anthony James also would have had a birthday this week. So happy birthday and remembrance is going out to those eight folks. And now we have a good long list for you all of folks who are still with us who also have birthdays this week. So Charles, let's get us started. All right. Mine's a unusual kind of list this time. Let's start off with Caroline Junko King. who played young Keiko O'Brien in TNG's Rascal. Played a couple other parts. I 
together, got into college, and directed a series called uh, a series called Doryman. I'm not familiar with the series, but a little bit of roles there. Tom Troop played to Ted Harold in TOS's The Arena. He's got a lot of classic early TV. Quincy, Murder, She Wrote, Eye of the Apes. I'm sure Jim's not familiar with the actor at all. No, no, not never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, never, never watched the t- never watched the Planet of the Apes TV series. I'm sure. What is this apes you're talking of? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure that me and Leslie have talked about him at some point. Yeah. Hannah Haight played Molly O'Brien in TNG DS9 and DS9. Hasn't done a whole lot of acting since. Murray Ginsburg played Murray Ginsburg in Boy's Death Wish. A lot of classic stuff in his work. This one's interesting for Jim. Heather Langenkamp played Moda when Star Trek Into Darkness. But she also played with, she also acted probably with Leslie as she was Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, yes. The, the one scene that you see in Nightmare on Elm Street with Leslie Hoffman is with her, which is pretty cool. Yep. So we got a Star Trek Nightmare on Elm Street connection in there. And my last one on my list is an interesting one. I had and to give this one. You, the, you knew that know, you were getting I know. this one. <laughs> uh, happy birthday to Paul Salmon. No, not the actor. The scientist. Paul Stamets is a mycologist that studies mushrooms. And his character, he was the person that they created based on Paul Stamets from Discovery. But this guy is an actual, actually researches mushrooms. But this we learned from first episode of After Trek that we learned that Paul Stamets was actually based on Paul Stamets. So a very happy birthday to him. Paul, who's Not on just your fun, list? But educational too. See that? Exactly. And if you're good, you can file for CE credit for attending this podcast as well. So you never <laughs> – educational hours are available. Just be sure to log in. Okay. So I've got all kinds of good folks here today, friends. Uh, first of all, I think a lot of folks are familiar with the whole Star Trek II, the TV series that never was but almost was, right? Well, amongst those happy comrades, there was an actor named Judson Scott who played Joaquin in Star Trek II. Also got other work, though, within the firmament of the Star Trek franchise, including Commander Rekar in the Voyager episode Message in a Bottle, and Sobe in Next Gen's episode Symbiosis. Exciting stuff. He was I a low-life drug dealer in that episode. Yeah, he was. You he say was. that like it's a bad thing, Jim. Come on. I know. Well, Joaquin, 
I always thought Joaquin was kind of weak in Ravicon too. He kind of like just stands around and like he's like, "Come on, let me do something." And Khan's always like, "No, we're going to do this instead." And Joaquin's like, "Me." Is that the same Joaquin in Ravicon? Oh, so it starts yeah. at two. That's not the series. Yeah, that's it's, not, it's not Phase Two. That's Ravicon. No, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got to work on these abbreviations, friends. <laughs> no, SP Two, Star Trek Two. That's Ravicon. Yep. Okay, I've been, my whole life I've been doing WOK, so I guess I've been in the wrong the wrong firmament. Well, Sorry, I, I I fixed it for the next one. Okay, you know me, I'm a, I, at work. I'm very critical of acronyms, so I can't help but bring that baggage with me. So, <laughs> moving on. Happy birthday to actor Ike Eisenman. Ike Eisenman is uh, ubiquitous in TV from the '60s through the '80s. Okay, you name a kid. He started out as a child actor on like The Wonderful World of Disney. If you ever seen any of the Witch Mountain movies. He was in those, uh, tons of stuff like uh, uh, oh, Little House on the Prairie. I was, I was trying for a minute. I couldn't remember Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> and old Starlog magazine readers probably remember him from a short-lived Saturday morning TV show called The Fantastic Journey, which has a huge cult following and still very beloved. But Star Trek fans know him for playing a different role from when he got a little bit older. And in oh, I'm going to say it. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> Just to close the loop on that one, he played a character named Peter Preston, okay, who is like Scotty's nephew. He's like an engineer's mate aboard, aboard the, uh, the Enterprise, and he's the one who basically, you know, stayed at his post and saved one of his fellow trainees from being trapped under the isolation door, and subsequently got carried up to the bridge in Scotty's arms, you know, with terrible... Pike-like radiation burns, right? He stayed on his post when the trainees ran. So, you know, hi, guys. And then you have yourself a legendary place in the Star Trek world because of your Wrath of Khan uh, contribution there, sir. So Scotty's nephew. So we salute you and your mighty sacrifice. Happy birthday also to Margot Rose, who prayed Eline on the next-gen classic. Inner Light. Everybody loves that episode, I believe. Happy birthday to Raven Dauda, Dr. Tracy Pollard on Star Trek Discovery. Fadwa El Gorindi, who played Amsha Basir in Deep Space Nine's Dr. Bashir, I presume. A favorite episode for many. Happy birthday as well. Felicitations to Osric Chow, who played Oros in the Discovery episode The Galactic Barrier. And finally for me, Happy birthday, indeed, to Hussein Madhabji, Dr. Gamai in uh, Strange New Worlds, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, a very recent joinee to the Star Trek universe. Thank you so much, friends, for uh, letting us help you celebrate your birthdays and your uh, place in all things Star Trek. Jim, let me pass it to you. Well, I've got a few more to go, guys, but don't touch the dial because we still have a lot of fun to go through. First of all, we want to say happy birthday to Terry O'Quinn, who, yeah, one of those evil admirals from Star Trek. He played Admiral Pressman in TNG's The Pegasus. There's Put one on your list for evil admirals. There he is. Uh, Christopher Shea, who played Keevan in DS9's Rock and Shoals and The Magnificent Ferengi. He also played Darwin in Boy's episode, The Think Tank. He played Sajen in Enterprise's Detained. And 
He played an Andorian Taleb in Enterprise Ceasefire. We also want to say happy birthday to Rosa Salazar, who played Captain Lynn Lucero in Short Trek's The Trouble with Edward. He was an idiot. And for those of you who haven't seen that, her taking the promotion and leaving the Enterprise opened up a spot for a certain science officer to come aboard. And we actually get to see this science officer's first time aboard the Enterprise. And, of course, I'm talking about Jordy LaForge here. Now, who am I talking about, Eric? (laughs) Our friend Mr. Spock, of course. Mr. Spock. If you haven't seen the Short Treks episode, you definitely want to check out the episode Q&A. That's Mr. Spock's first time on the Enterprise. And it's made possible because Lynn Lucero got promoted to captain. So happy birthday to Rosa Salazar. We also want to say happy birthday to Amanda Foreman, who played Ensign Hannity Brackett in Star Trek Into Darkness. And uh, R.J. Williams, who played Ian Andrew Troy in TNG's The Child. That was an interesting episode for two reasons. It was the first time that we get to see Ten Forward and Guinan, but it's also the first time that we get to see a cranky doctor who I think the doctor on Lower Decks was based on. At least it seems that way to me. And who are we talking about, Eric? Uh, which doctor is in that one? Uh, Pulaski, yeah, of course. A, my, my, yeah. my main woman, Pulaski, yeah. who I, I don't even think of as grumpy. I know a lot of people do, but I don't even think of as grumpy. But, yeah, she's she's awesome. I love Pulaski. She's um, just unfiltered. She's just unfiltered, yes. man. She just gives it to you <laughs> like it is. And, you know, that's that's I appreciate that. And, by the way, that ch- that episode in my book is problematic for many reasons. We could do a whole show about that episode sometime. <laughs> you know, I, I Eric, have we ever done uh, have we ever done guys a Pulaski show? I don't think we've done a no. Pulaski show. We've we've celebrated uh, Diana Moldar's birthday when it comes up, but that's about it. Uh, and a lot of interesting stuff with her. I think she definitely uh, qualifies as being uh, unappreciated, underrated. Mm-hmm. So I think it could be interesting stuff. Maybe give her a little uh, FaceTime someday. Good idea. I like it. We have some time. Uh, mm-hmm. We also want to say happy birthday. This is a big one. I don't even know. Well, to Benedict Cumberbatch. And we're going to be talking about him as Khan from Star Trek Into Darkness. But, my friends, what has he not done, actually? Most recently, <laughs> we see him in the Marvel Universe's <laughs> Doctor Strange. Um, he's been, what, uh, Sherlock Smog Holmes. the Dragon. He was yeah. in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the Dragon, I mean, yeah. he's, where hasn't he been? <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, been everywhere. I mean, he, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you really get, yeah, I mean, he's been, and he's been around for a long time. I mean, he's done a ton of uh, great uh, movies that are not Marvel movies also, like back in the day. I mean, I feel like he's kind of known a little bit now more as, as that guy, but he's got some early stuff. Um, what's that one? There's like a war movie or something that he's in that's really good ah i can't think of it i should have prepared but yeah anyway oh he's yep. in he's in the tv what's that he's been what's in it? everything i mean look at his he's been, everything. I mean, he's been yeah. all around but but we as star trek fans appreciate him as Khan from star trek into darkness and i don't have any klingons okay but klingons kind of are space pirates i i think so that's why i'm doing this last guy last We'd like to say happy birthday to Lee Ehrenberg, who in the Star Trek world 
played Graal, who was a Ferengi in the Deep Space Nine episode, The Negus. He also played Graal, who was a Tellarite in the Enterprise episode, Babel One and the United. He's the one that, that causes the fight between um, uh, 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 Captain Archer and Shran when he cuts off his antenna. That was mm-hmm. Graal. Uh, but mostly everybody would know this guy from his part in Pirates of the Caribbean. He played Pintle. He was the, the, the comic relief. Him and the other pirate were the two comic relief guys in all the movies. And you would know him if you saw him. The other guy had a wooden, a fake wooden eye that would pop out all the time. That was his partner. And the two of them were in all their scenes together in Pirates of the Caribbean. So happy birthday to Lee Ehrenberg. Guys, that wraps up our birthdays. I know we had a lot, uh, but we have convention calendar coming up after this quick commercial break, and we're going to have a special guest in studio for you guys. So you don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be right back after this quick message. Trekconderoga, the biggest little Star Trek event in the Northeast, is proud to present Trekconderoga 2022, August 19th through the 21st, in Ticonderoga, New York, with headliners Gates McFadden, John Delancey, and Brent Spiner. Join Uncle Jim and Eric from Trek Talking as we marvel at the original series set tour, walking the corridors, sick bay, briefing room, captain's quarters, transporter room, and main engineering of the USS Enterprise. Our next generation tour guides will share behind the scenes information and explain how the sets were designed and erected. For most of us, the tour stays the best for last, the iconic main bridge where the adventures begin. Sound like fun? We think so too. So stop by the Trek Talking table on your way to tour the set and meet the stars. And tell them Trek Talking sent you. Engage. Don't miss Fandom Fest New York, featuring special guests, vendors, artists, esports, tabletop games, and so much more. Fandom Fest, a unique con experience at Proctor's, August 12th through 14th. All right, guys, welcome back. And it's time for convention, 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 calendar. where we fill you guys in on local conventions. Well, local for wherever you guys might happen to be. But in this particular case, you may have noticed that we have a, a uh, couple of commercial spots running for a couple of conventions. And that's because Trek Talking is going to be at both of those conventions. We're going to be at Trek Conoroga. But the week before that, um, yours truly, Uncle Jim, is going to be at Proctor's Theater in downtown Schenectady, which is where my high school held my graduation in 1984. Yep, I'm that old. And I was pretty excited to find out that they were having a convention there. So I had to reach out and get in touch with the people involved in that convention. And I was lucky enough to hook up with Mike McCord. And let's see uh, if I can get Mike on the line here. Uh, Hello, Mike. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Absolutely. Welcome to the podcast. How you doing? I'm doing very well, Uncle Jim. There's a thing. Uh, so your high school actually called about your graduation. There was a mistake. 
it was a mistake. Uh, you're going to have to. There was a mistake that, yeah, just an oversight. You're going to, you still have to have that you're telling us. So your, your journey across our stage and your high school graduation, unfortunately, doesn't count. So I'm really sorry to break the news to you that way. <laughs> so I, I, I found out about your convention and I got really excited when I heard about what you guys are doing there at Proctor's Theater because I don't think of Proctor's Theater as a convention hall. So how did that come about? Uh, well, I had this really great idea with, uh, with a producing partner of mine um, about three years ago. And uh, we had scheduled the original Fandom Fest for June 2020. And then <laughs> uh, it didn't happen. Um, nope. So, uh, <laughs> nope, it did. Something else did. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we were very distracted for a while. Uh, my producing partner has now gone on to Greener Pastures. He's running a performing arts center in New Hampshire, in Concord, uh, which left me to, uh, uh, to try to, um, you know, uh, uh, corral all of the, the nerdiest folks that we have here on staff at Proctor's. And, uh, and yeah, we're, we're really excited about Fandom Fest. You're right, Proctor's is known for Broadway. Uh, we're a Broadway touring house. We're, we're one of the biggest Broadway touring houses in New York State. Um, you know, we have shows like Hamilton's going to be here next year, again, for the second time. We've got Aladdin coming in, uh, in October. I mean, we do big-time Broadway stuff. So this is, this is different for us, uh, this kind of event. Uh, so we hope that we're doing it well. Um, and, uh, but we're, we are very excited. I, I'm very excited about this, this whole thing. We, we sort of have taken the approach of um, we want to celebrate as many versions of fandom as we can. Um, so we have voice actors and we have uh, television actors and um, folks who have done a bunch of horror films and we've got an esports tournament and uh, board games and D and D and movies running the whole weekend. And uh, yeah, we're just we're trying to. We're trying to jam as much stuff into this building as we can. It's a pretty big building, so we've got a lot of space, so we're going to try to spill it all. So let me ask you, uh, this is how long ago it was that I was there. Um, so you, you still have the big hallway when you walk in. Is that where you're going to hold, where the, where the event is going to be held? Oh, no, that's not nearly big enough. So that's, we call that the arcade. Uh, okay, the arcade. And, uh, yep. and that's, that's, that's the main hallway in Proctor's. We are actually just off of the arcade. We're going to have uh, about 10 or 15 uh, full-sized arcade games, which we have cleverly named the Arcade Arcade. Um, but that is just one room. Uh, so we're going to have our big panels are going to be in the main stage at Proctor's, which is a 2,700-seat, 100-year-old uh, vaudeville theater. Uh, we have a movie uh, since, since 1984. We have installed uh, a movie theater on our third floor. We have an additional theater that we call the GE Theater. Schenectady is very famously the original location for GE's corporate headquarters. So the GE uh, Theater is going to uh, be where we keep that esports tournament going. We're going to have a live band on Saturday night called Cybertronic Spree, uh, where they these are guys who are dressed up in big Transformer costumes. And Can playing, I tell uh, you guys, I have seen this band live and they freaking rock. They are amazing. And if you're a Transformers fan, it's just super fun to see them because they're so good. Absolutely. 
They they did a cover of the entire 1986 Transformers album. They have they that have album the whole... down, and I'm telling you, they sound just like it. I mean, it's like listening to the soundtrack over and over again. I love them so much. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we have, if I put on my, my fancy uh, knowledgeable hat, we have about 150,000 square feet in Proctor's, and we are going to use just about all of it in the course of, uh, in the course of this weekend. Wow. Well, I, I'm looking forward to being there, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, who, who are some of the guests that you're going to have there? We have, uh, if you are a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, James Marsters, who played Spike, is going to be here, as well as Amber Benson, uh, who was uh, also a cast member in later seasons. We have Eldon Henson, who was in The Mighty Ducks, and he was in uh, The Hunger Games. And he most recently, I think most recently, played Foggy Nelson in the Netflix Daredevil series. We have Leah Clark, a very well-known anime voice actor. Um, Jim Cummings, who's been the voice of Winnie the Pooh for the last 30 years or so, as well as Darkwing Duck and Pete from Mickey Mouse and the Tasmanian Devil. Um, I, will, I will admit to you, I am most excited about... Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche, who are probably most well-known for being Pinky and the Brain, respectively. Yeah, so we're very... One's a genius, insane. one's insane. That's, I've heard that. That's, that's what they tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got lots and lots of folks. We're, uh, we're going to have about 10, 10 celebrities who are going to be on site signing autographs and, uh, and doing their thing. and. Keith David is the one that I'm psyched to meet. So I have myself. to tell you, unfortunately, Mr. David had to cancel just uh, this week. See, that, I know, that was I know. It's hammer all over again. The, it is. We are, I'm having a Because I, I just, I love, I love They Live. It's one of my favorites. And, he, of course, he was in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're working on finding someone that can, that can fill that spot. Um, so stay tuned for more. Um, but yeah, we, in addition to that, what, what we sort of decided is we wanted people, you know, if, if the panels that we had going weren't interesting to you, we wanted to make sure there was a ton of other stuff that you could do in the meantime. So that's why we have movies running all day long and TV shows. And we've got um, the board games and D&D and stuff like that. Uh, we also have a bunch of um, authentic replica movie and TV cars that are going to be on stage at Proctor's. So we're going to have the Munsters coach from the <gasps> Munster series. We're going to have a life-size Flintstones mobile. We're going to have the 1966 Batmobile and Batcycle. And we're going to have a like pitch-perfect replica of the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Oh, nice. Why am I not going to this convention? This sounds incredible. <laughs> Eric, when are you flying in again? Uh, not till the 16th. Oh. oh. I know. You're gonna, Just missing you're it. You're going to miss it by a hair. Just missing it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well. Mike, and, can I ask uh, you a question? I would love that. Dude, is that you doing the the that radio promo that we've been playing? Like the, the you know, the Proctors, that 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 intro uh, that, that I wish I could take credit for that. That is one of my producing partners. That is uh, that is a guy named Rob Johnson, uh, who is on the marketing team for Proctors. 
and uh, he is in charge of our uh, our our D and D. I should say our role playing game room. We have a ton of other games that are going to be going on. But Rob is a Rob is a, an aspiring voice actor himself. So uh, you know we sort of have this built in. Uh, you know, ringer when we need to do commercials. So. Oh, God. I mean, aspiring. The guy's phenomenal. Uh, right? <laughs> but your voice wow. is great, man. I thought I, I could have sworn it was you. It's very similar. Um, you got a very similar, uh, wonderful cadence, man. I, I thought it was, I, must I, have been you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I would be an aspiring voice actor, but I, I produce Comic Cons instead, I guess. <laughs> wow. Well, this convention yeah. sounds incredible, man. I'm just like sitting here with a lobster bib on, salivating. I wish I was going. It's amazing. Well, thank you. Now, yeah. uh, so again, we're trying to we're trying to celebrate as much stuff as. So in addition, we're also we're going to have uh, a cosplay contest on Saturday. Uh, that's going to be a big part of Saturday. We have a drag show on Friday night. Um, we're going to have uh, again all sorts of panels. Really, I mean. Really cool stuff. So obviously we're going to utilize all of our celebrities, but you know we have um, there's a really well-known costume shop that's located in Schenectady. It does work nationwide. And it's called the Costumer. The Costumer is going to do a whole series of uh, of panels on how to create your own cosplay persona. Um, you know how to how to build the character and how to you know, both in in terms of you know what the story behind the character is and literally how to build the costume. So. Uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be a lot of fun. There's a guy in in uh, in L.A., a friend of mine that uh, from my college days here in Albany. Um, he created a, a TV show called Demon Hunter, which is uh, he describes it as if Buffy the Vampire Slayer met um, the most LGBTQIA plus themes you could ever find, uh, and it's a horror comedy series that he did a Kickstarter for, raised tons of money. They produced. I think eight episodes. So the creator Tim O'Leary and one of the stars of the show, Robert Rice, are going to be uh, are going to be here. We're going to uh, show some of those episodes and then let Tim and Rob uh, talk about the the process of creating it. Yeah, we're got a lot of cool stuff. Now, Mike, is this your first one or your second one? First. The first. It is our first wow. one. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, we, I'll no, tell you, the um, thing we do at Brockers, we do the thing that we do really well is get thousands of people into this building and back out again. That's what we do all day long. So the, so the logistics, you, I think. Go ahead, please. I remember well, when I when I graduated, there was no parking. Um, yeah. Is, is there is there parking down there now? Like if I were Absolutely. to go to the. There, we have a five-story parking garage that's that's uh, just behind our building. Um, that actually is operated by the city of Schenectady, and we have, uh, we have there are a bunch of uh, street lots uh, all around. Uh, t- plenty of parking. Good, excellent. L- lots of lots of restaurants nearby that you can walk to. We also we have um, a local bakery and pizza shop um, are going to be our primary food vendors. We're going to have Mike's Hot Dogs, which is a, a Schenectady staple. Uh, Mike's oh, Mike Hot Dogs is, is going to be here. Oh, they got the best, the best Michigan right? dogs right there. Yes, yes, the best. And we and have can I ask like question? fifty vendors, fifty vendors Absolutely. in our vendor hall. Shoot, David. Can I, can I ask a question? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, what's the rule on uh, being vaccinated or not? So, as of right now, we don't have any requirements for vaccines or masks. 
you are welcome, encouraged to wear a mask, to be vaccinated. But as of right now, we are not uh, requiring any of that. We, if the county of Schenectady uh, moves into one of those, you know, no, no good colors regarding uh, COVID infections, uh, we might be obligated, uh, required by the county and the state to, to change that. But as of right now, uh, you, it, is, it is up to the individual guest if they want to be, if they want to be masked throughout the event. Cool. Thank you. Excellent. And uh, hopefully, I mean, you guys have Wi-Fi there? Absolutely. Well, maybe, maybe next year we can do a live broadcast from, from the event. That would be we interesting. Would and we can do a panel, a Klingon panel, because there is going to be a Klingon there waving his batlet around. And when, when I whip out my batlet, people just want to touch it. It just, it just <laughs> happens. So, uh, I had that same you know, experience in college. So yeah, it happens a lot to me. Everyone's like, can I touch it? Can I touch it? And, and they do. So uh, there, there's sure. going to be at least one Klingon there anyways. And I wasn't sure if you guys had Wi-Fi, so I didn't get into it, but maybe next year we can do like a live panel and broadcast it so everybody can experience what's going on there. We would, so, we would love that. We would love that. Now, I, I talked to Jim about this. I, I, I have to admit to your audience that we actually don't have a whole lot of, uh, of Star Trek stuff at this particular event. But here's why. I, just, I don't want anyone to get mad at us. Because James Cauley, who runs Treconderoga, is only about an hour and a half north of us. And his event is the next weekend, and we didn't want to steal anybody's thunder. So we are – I haven't told James this yet, but I'm going to reach out to James to try to get – see if he, we can get him involved for next year. But we thought we were so close to their event, we didn't want to you know, take away from, from, what they've, from what they've done. Because that – if you have not seen what James Colley has done in Ticonderoga, that is some amazing – Star Trek stuff. It is utterly incredible. It's mind-blowing to be in that space. Well, we're, we're going to be there. We're going to be at FanFest, and then we're going to be at Treconderoga. <laughs> we're going to nice. be at them both. So, but, but uh, yeah, we're going to be doing, we can't do a live broadcast from Treconderoga. They have no Wi-Fi up there. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, but we can from Fandom Fest. So we'll, we'll work something out for next year. But at That'd any rate, I I hope that that uh, we're doing well by you. We're playing your your spot on the podcast, and I hope if we your fans that. have any questions, how can they get in touch with you? How can they reach out to you and find you if they're interested in getting tickets to Fandom Fest? So you can go to www.fandomfest.org, and you'll see the the complete schedule and all of the stuff we're going to have. You can buy tickets. Uh, you can email us at fandomfest at proctors.org if you have any questions. And for the listeners of Trek Talking, uh, we have a special code for you. So we, we will give you 30% off a single-day ticket, which is normally 50 bucks. Whoa. So that will knock it down to $35 if you use the code LLAP, live long and prosper. Love it. That's, that is awesome. Oh. That is great. And I'm looking forward, uh, like I said, Eric is going to miss it by a few days, but me and my wife will be returning to Proctor's for the first time since we graduated in 1984, and we're bringing our daughter with us. And we're all going to nice. be checked out in our year. So we're looking forward to, to hanging out there and meeting you in person. And uh, 
We'll bring some Trek to Fandom Fest for sure. And next year, we're very grateful for that. We can bring even more for next year, I'm sure. So, all right. Well, thank you so so much for hanging out and uh, talking with us for a little while, Mike, and for all the hard work that you're putting into Fandom Fest. I know I ran some Star Trek conventions in Schenectady way back in the 90s. I know what's involved in them. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate all the work you guys are doing. So thank you so much. Thank you guys for, for giving us the time for running those ads. We, we were really excited to do this event. We can't wait to see you guys uh, on, on August 12th through 14th in Schenectady at Proctor's. Yep. At Proctor's Theater. And we'll, we'll keep playing your spot for you guys. And hopefully, you know, some people come to the table and they want to touch my back list. We'll see. <laughs> well, I, I look forward uh, to that opportunity myself. And may, maybe I'll get a picture. I can get a, you can get a picture touching my bat with. I'll let you hold it. Oh, I know you want. Like, I know you want to. It's a family show, guys. It's a family show. How many times do I have to say that? <laughs> All right. Sorry, well, thank that, you so that, much that's for visiting. I'm the new guy. I'm sorry. And we look forward to seeing you at Fandom Fest at Proctor's Theater. It's connected in New York. Thank you very Thank much, you Mike. So much. We, we Have a good night. It. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. That was Mike McCord from Fandom Fest at Proctor Theater. It's connected in New York. Yours truly, Uncle Jim, is going to be there. Uh, you know, if you show up and you use the LLAP, you can get a discount, and you can think about that. You can get a discount and touch Uncle Jim's batlet at the same time. What more could you ask for? Really? Come on. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we've got some Star Trek news. Um, Oh, my God, I lost it. Where is it? Where is it? There it is. Trek Talking would like to invite you and your friends to ease your way back into the Star Trek event scene by joining us August 19th through the 21st at Trek Conderoga 2022, the biggest little Star Trek event in Ticonderoga, New York. Headliners Gates McFadden, John Delancey, and Brent Spiner will be giving photo ops, autographs, and will be participating in celebrity guest talks. Trek Talking will also be in attendance, as Uncle Jim and Eric chair discussion panels on Klingons and Starfleet Admirals. Tour the original series set tours, play some mini-golf, or attend an award-winning Elvis tribute show. There is something for everyone at Trek Ponderoga. We hope to see you there. Engage. Don't miss Fandom Fest New York, featuring special guests, vendors, artists, esports, tabletop games, and so much more. Fandom Fest, a unique con experience at Proctor's, August 12th through 14th. And we just talked to Mike, and if you guys are interested, you can use the promo code LLAP and get yourself a really nice discount. And you can meet yours truly, Uncle Jim, live in person at Fandom Fest. It's connected in New York at Proctor's Theater. And, of course, we're back, and it's time for Star Trek news. Um, wow. Okay. It's going to be a quick Star Trek news, but we're going to try it. We're going to see what we can uh what we can squeeze in. Yeah, we'll give it a shot. So let me see if I can find it. Why can't I find it? There it is. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. 
Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. All right, guys, we're going to do our Star Trek news here, but we're going to do a little bit of a condensed condensed version because at 8.30 we're going to have um, we're going to have some guest stars joining us. Joshua Michael Irwin and Cora Wilson are going to be with us, so we're going to do a quick condensed version of our Star Trek news. Uh, we're going to start off with David. David has some good news for us. David, what do you got going on? Oh, hello. Hi. David, uh, yeah. I news you've been chomping at the bit to tell us about. <laughs> okay, so I actually have been in with this uh, uh, Star Trek New Horizon mod for Stellaris. Um, they had just released a major mega release patch for uh, this game back in July 10th. Um, a lot of people have been uh, playing the game. They've been helping to test, which, by the way, they are looking for more people to help test. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that Jim has a link on the Facebook page to go and check out the Discord channel over at Paradoxal DG Community. And they just got all sorts of new things added. I mean, it's a, it's a long list. I can't even read it all for the sake of time, but... Uh, there's so much stuff happening in this game right now. It is really fun. There's so many races you can play as. I mean, heck, we were talking about Gorn last week. Jim, you want to play as yep. Gorn? Go ahead. <laughs> but, but, what, am I going to be Granddaddy Gorn or the Gorn that first out of your chest, Gorn? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I haven't actually played that part of the race yet, but, um, yeah, it's, it's every race is unique. I mean, technically – the clean on. I know Jim likes clean on. Uh, they got all sorts of clean on houses we work that's been released. So, you know, it's a lot of stuff that happens in this game. And if you're a fan of Stellaris, this is a great game for you to get into. And it's all about Star Trek. They're putting more and more in every every uh, every time they come out with a major release. So yeah, it's just really fun. I'm Excellent. It. it can't can't go wrong with Star Trek. That's for sure. Um, I've got a quick story for you guys. Star Trek Discovery Lorca actor reveals whether he would ever return to Star Trek. In an interview with The List, Isaacs is discussing the possibility of reviving Captain Gabriel Lorca. When asked if he could see himself returning to the Star Trek franchise, the actor said that it comes down to the story presented. He said, sure, yeah, uh, the story would have to be great. It was a fantastic storyline. All actors ever want is a secret. And I had the biggest secret of all, without spoiling it for anyone, he doesn't have to spoil it, we already know. He was from the Mirror Universe! If people haven't watched it already, it's unlikely they'll watch it now. But there is nonetheless a fantastic secret, and I had to play it, and I knew it. (coughs) It means that when you watch it, like when you watch The Sixth Sense for the second time, there's a whole new layer of enjoyment when you knew what was going to happen. I'm working with Akiva Goldsman right now, who wrote and directed quite a lot of Star Trek Discovery on Tom Holland miniseries, The Crowded Room in New York. We've talked about Prime Lorca, and it would have to be a good story as season one of Discovery was. 
I don't want to come back just because he's a fan favorite and do some version that isn't anywhere near as good. If there's space, they have so many brilliant series up now. Strange New Worlds has been a massive hit, as well as Picard is a huge hit. But where is there a space for Prime Lorca art? I'm up for it, and I don't want to come back just to squeeze into that sausage skin tight suit again. So what do you guys think? You want to see Prime Lorca come back? There was the book, Eric, help me, because I get the title wrong all the time. Um, I think it was Drastic Measures. Drastic Measures. Uh, yep. They put a chapter at the end of the book to tell us that, yes, Prime Lorca is out there. Yes, he's around. Maybe we'll see him. I, I don't know. But I think at this point, it would have to be Strange New Worlds at this point. <laughs> right? Season three, because they're done with season two. Yeah, it had to be season three of um, yeah. So what else do we have? Let's jump. Let's jump while we want to get through this real quick. Uh, Paul, there's a story here that you, that you have for us that I think might be of interest to the fans. All right, my friend, let me uh, rock and roll here, and we'll jump right in. Um, it sounds like uh, st- both Star Trek, Picard, and Strange New Worlds picked up uh, five Emmy nominations. Uh, Even though the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery and the second season of Lower Decks were both eligible for primetime Emmys and both were nominated last year, neither had any nominations for this year. Star Trek Prodigy is eligible to be nominated for the Children Family Emmy Awards, which will be announced later this year. For its second season, Star Trek Picard picked up four nominations, including uh, for Outstanding Period and or Character Makeup. Picard is nominated for the episode Hide and Seek. And it's going up against episodes from The First Lady, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Pam and Tommy, and Stranger Things. For Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup, Picard is nominated for the episode Hide and Seek. And we'll be going up against uh, Angeline, Gaslit, Impeachment, American Crime Story, and Stranger Things. For Outstanding Fantasy Sci-Fi Costumes, Picard is nominated for the episode Penance. And we'll be going up against episodes from The Book of Boba Fett, Loki, Moon Knight, what we do in the shadows and the witcher very hotly contested uh, category there. And I believe uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that nominee should have been uh, someone who was a guest on this show. I'm not, I'm not mistaken. I have to check into that deeper and for outstanding sound editing for a comedy or drama series, one hour format Picard is nominated for the episode penance and strange new worlds is nominated for memento mori. They're going up against episodes from Better Call Saul, Book of Boba Fett, Loki, and Stranger Things. Uh, There's a whole ream of different uh, folks who are nominated here. Uh, I will not uh, lead them all just to save time. Uh, The 2022 Creative Arts Awards will be broadcast on Saturday, September 10th. Uh, The main Emmy Awards uh, will be telecast on September 12th. That's a Monday on NBC. Thanks. Yep, that that wraps that up, and uh, we're gonna dive right in. Um, Eric, you've got our final story. Eric, we're gonna we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna have a special guest visiting us too. So I'm so excited about the guest, but I'm just gonna squeeze this in real quick because it's about one of our favorite captains, Star Trek Prodigy creators, tease Admiral Janeway as a formidable foe. What? Star Trek Prodigy recently debuted on Nickelodeon and it has been uh, and has made uh, new Star Trek fans 
in its wake, of course, actor Kate Mulgrew has reprised her role as a hologram of Janeway in the series. But rather than emphasizing on her legacy, the creators are looking at her in a new light, Kevin Hageman says. But then now it's so exciting to go to Nickelodeon where this is basically a kid's audience, right? That's what we're really hitting now. What are the kids' point of view? How do we make sure that Hologram Janeway is interesting for them so that they don't need to know the backstory of who she is? And what I love about Hologram Janeway for kids, and I think for Nickelodeon, is, to, is it brings back kind of a Mary Poppins to mind. And Mary Poppins was wonderful. As for what to expect for the next part of the series, Dan Hageman says in the first 10, the threat very much is the diviner. And what we established as the end of 10 is you have the threat of the actual Starfleet and Admiral Janeway on their tail to stop who, uh, to stop who she believes to be who have stolen Captain Chakotay's ship. So she's, in other words, Janeway is, you know, chasing after them. So that's a very formidable foe. I wouldn't want to face her. Adding, it also begs the question of how cool would a movie be if Mary Poppins was hunting you down? <laughs> well, that is interesting. There's a duality to like Janeway as the Admiral and Janeway as the hologram. I think they both have a place in this show, and I'm super excited for them to actually bring in just a little bit more of Admiral Janeway and actually see like how interesting will it be to see Admiral Janeway talk a hologram Janeway, right? <laughs> I can't wait to see how that goes down. So great, great little yeah. uh, news story here. Yeah. She's going to be playing the actual living Janeway and the hologram Janeway together. So that's going to be Simultaneously. Cool. Yep. Yep. And it's she said that it was cool because like the, the hologram Janeway gave her an ability to kind of go back and revisit, you know, the character that Janeway used to be. Now with Admiral Janeway, she gets to explore the character that Janeway becomes. And so in a lot of ways, there are huge differences between Hologram Janeway and Admiral Janeway, even though Hologram Janeway was actually you know, created technically after they came back from the Delta Quadrant, um, there's still going to be massive differences. So really interested to see how they explore that. And, and I also have Robert Beltran as Chakotay in the credits. So, we're definitely going to be seeing him, and it'll be interesting to see how Hologram Janeway interacts with him as well. It's, it's going to be good. And those episodes, by the way, are going to premiere on Paramount Plus on Thursday nights, just like everything else, before they move over to Nickelodeon. So that's pretty cool. So uh, without any further ado, guys, we went over a little bit because we were having so much fun talking with Mike uh, about my bat lift, which you guys can come and touch at fandom fest in schenectady new york at proctor's theater um that we went over a little bit we had to shorten our uh star trek news a bit but i think we got enough good stuff in there and i've been teasing it all all night long but now is the time we have with us joshua michael Irwin from the avalon universe and we've we've talked about a lot of avalon uh, universe stuff on this podcast we love what they do at avalon universe so without any further ado, I would like to introduce to you Joshua Michael Irwin. How you doing, Josh? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, anytime at all. Anytime at all. So uh, you have a brand new movie coming out called The Needs of the One. And uh, we had an opportunity, uh, thanks to you, to watch a rough draft of the film so that we have a reference point to talk about. And uh, to print, 
who's a, who's a Vulcan female in this particular movie. Uh, she's going to be joining us, played by Cora Wilson, a little bit later, correct? Yeah, she's going to be on in about 20 minutes. Okay, excellent. So let's talk about the Avalon universe. I want to, first of all, I want to say that one of the things that I really like about the Avalon universe is that you guys incorporate all of Star Trek into one universe called the Avalon universe, like uh, your uniforms, the look of your ships, the technology that you use is, is, is from the Kelvin universe. It's from all, everything that we know as Star Trek is all lumped together. You don't distinguish one from the other in the Avalon universe, uh, which I think is great. Yeah, you know, the, the Avalon universe itself is sort of, we would describe it as a unique quantum universe separate from anything that you've seen in canon Star Trek. So it's not the same universe as, as Kirk and Spock and Picard and all those great shows. Uh, but it's also not the Kelvin universe or the mirror universe or anything else you've seen before. It's its own unique thing. The creative influence on it is, like you said, kind of a uh, to incorporate some influence of any type of Star Trek all in in one place. So there's there's uh, there's influence from TOS. There's influence from TNG. From um, you know, newer Star Trek stuff like Discovery or Strange New Worlds or even the J.J. movies. Like, there's some way in which that influence is felt there. And we really enjoy, too, you know, all of the different callbacks to Star Trek, all of the different Easter eggs, the way to, you know, homage this, this series that we all love so much. Yeah, and I noticed the white medical uniforms in this particular episode, yeah. which I thought was great. Um, yeah, that was that was really fun because, um, you know, as soon as I saw that, I was like, you know, trying to figure out what the right outfit would be for this character. And as soon as I saw those, I was like, that would be a super neat thing to incorporate. And what was what was really interesting there is that I, I bought the costume something like two months before we filmed. And by the time we got to the first shooting days, it hadn't come in yet. And so we were like, okay, what are we going to put her in? You know, and it was, we had, you know, Glenn Wolf had to kind of improvise a costume for her for a couple of the days. And then we got to talking and like literally after the first two days of shooting, the costume came in and we were like, okay, let's say that she was in this, you know, civilian program and that after she, you know, gains her freedom from her situation, she's joining Starfleet because, Really, if you think about it, Starfleet really represents the concept of, of ITIC. You know, um, Starfleet really embraces infinite diversity and infinite combination. So it might be a, an interesting coda for her to join Starfleet at the end once she's gained her, her freedom in that situation. And so that's what we did, and it gave us an opportunity on shooting day three to actually put her in the costume. We did a variation of it, of course, that was different than what than how it's shown in Strange New Worlds. We had her with black pants instead of white pants, and then we had our our new Avalon Universe-specific uh, badges. And so it was kind of a, a really neat chance to put her in a different costume and, and have an, an ending for her character that was poetic. I, I liked it. And, you know, something else that I noticed, because I'm big on that, was the music. I really liked the music. Yes. It's very reminiscent of... Mm-hmm what you've heard, but not 
quite what you've heard, but close enough to bring you right into it. Uh, you know, uh, you want to talk about the music a little bit? Absolutely. So our music is composed for each film now by Adam Mullen. And Adam Mullen is like, he's the Jerry Goldsmith, the, you know, uh, of fan films. I mean, the guy is just, he's so talented. And not only is he talented, he knows Star Trek. He knows and understands Star Trek so well. Um, and, and on top of that, he's, he does it really quickly. It's like unbelievable how fast the score will materialize from him. And he, he has a way of taking it, giving it, you know, a, a sound that's just like, okay, that is distinctly Star Trek, yet he's creating a unique sound for Avalon Universe. So this is, this is a, a soundtrack, a score for each episode that's uniquely Avalon Universe, that's its own signature thing, but you can definitely hear the Star Trek influence there. I love his work. I love the guy himself. He's so nice, so easy to work with. He does that a passion. You know, I, I get his music stuck in my head. Um, my favorite thing that he did is actually uh, he composed the theme song for another set of film, fan films called The Constar Chronicles, and I get their theme song stuck in my head all the time. <laughs> well, I, I think that he does a spectacular job with the music. It's so Star Trek. It, it pulls you right in, and you yeah. know exactly what's going on. And it's just different enough, you know, that it, it stands out as its own, but it, it's got the feel of Star Trek. Absolutely. He, he does a Absolutely. spectacular, spectacular job with the, with the music for, for um, the Avalon universe. So, Eric, did you have any, any questions for Joshua? Yeah, sure, Joshua. Thanks for joining us yeah. again on the podcast we've had. Absolutely. And it's so good to have you here again. Yeah. And uh, just another Another great job. I can't wait uh, for you to release this and, and show the public what you've got here. Um, you know, one of the things I'm always really impressed with is you guys always have very high production quality. So uh, in terms of, like, the actual shots that you choose to use and the way that you edit them together and the way that the story sort of moves, like, this one, to me, like like all of your other productions, has a very nice pace. You know, there's nothing. Oh, thank you. There's there's nothing like that pulls me out of the story because it doesn't fit what I would normally see in Star Trek, so to speak. You know, nice. Um, yeah. So I, I, I appreciate w- that very much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to give you credit for that and credit for the actual oh. shots that you choose to thank to you. use as well. And I was going to echo Jim's um, just music comments. I mean, your composer is amazing. I'm really interested in this particular production. Um, you know, you're the you're the writer director. You're the guy behind uh, the wheel steering the ship. What what caused you to want to explore this particular story a little bit more? So it was, you know, it was it was a concept that I've wanting been wanting to do for, I mean, really almost since the beginning of Avalon Universe. I had this idea, and it, it originally started with another character. Like, how do we give such and such character a love interest that would be off the wall and different? And I was like, you know, what if what if a, a Vulcan girl pawned fard while she was on the ship, and she was just like, ah, you know, we've we know this is going to happen to us, and yet we come out in the space anyway. And she she really liked the guy, 
but she never really admitted it. And then when the time comes, she's just like, hey, listen, I'm really into you. <laughs> you know. And then he's kind of like, all right. You know, he, he didn't really object. And she just sort of conquests the guy and he's good with it. I just thought it would be funny. And that was really the, the whole concept of it came from just that one scene that happens in sickbay where she, she's going through the pond far and she just kind of conquers the dude. You know, we've, we've seen, you know, Captain Kirk conquer, you know, conquest women in the classic Star Trek. I was like, what if we have a woman conquest the, uh, you know, the guy. And so um, I thought that that would be kind of a, a fun turnabout on that. And, you know, it, but then I, the more that I started to kind of look at Vulcan culture, I was sort of alarmed by a few things that I saw. And the first thing that I saw was, uh, you know, like in Journey to Babel, uh, you know, for instance, you know, it was kind of like Sarek was sort of acting like his wife just sort of was property. You know, he was kind of, you know, don't talk to Captain Kirk, come stand next to me, stop talking, this and that. And then in a month time, they actually kind of, refer to Tapring as property and they say, you know, you're fighting for possession of this person and all of this. And it's like, you know, that, that may work in their, their culture. And, and, and they say it's the Vulcan way. It's, it's a better way. It's logical and all of this, but they, you know, to them, it, it seems like that that sort of thing would the, the arranged marriages would make sense because that's their way of trying to solve a biological problem. They don't know how to deal with. But it was like, at some point, you're going to have Vulcans who, who don't want to go along with this, that, that don't want to go along with logic, that don't want to go along with the arranged marriages, that, that kind of want to explore who they are. And I thought it would be neat to have this Vulcan uh, doctor or doc, Vulcan nurse that would leave the planet kind of in search of compassion. She's She's wanting to explore her emotions. You know, she's been taught all her life that they're bad, so she's not so quick to admit it. But she wants to explore emotional awareness, and the emotion that she most wants to explore is is tenderness, compassion, healing, helping other people, caring for others. That's what interests her. And it brings her to that ship where she meets this guy, and he's a really nice dude, and he's out there to help everybody, even though he's like this big, you know, strong security officer. He's kind of got the heart of gold, and he's got a, he's a very soft-hearted individual. And she's, she's got a little crush on him that she doesn't want to admit. And so I thought it would be neat that, you know, that situation of the Ponfar kind of forces her to admit that she likes the guy. But then uh, Josh, once they've who, gone through that, boom. Who plays the sure. security – who plays the security – guy because I think he did a great job and I'd like to give him some kudos here because I thought he really pulled off those scenes with her really well. They had a good chemistry. Uh, what was that guy? What was the name of that actor? His name is Wade King. He's a friend of mine. Um, and he, uh, he's been in Avalon Universe films in the past, but you, you'll have to look for him a little bit. Um, he, he's in Demons, like he's just sort of standing guard at the turbo lift alcove and demons and then in air and darkness he goes down on the away mission and fights a bunch of klingons which because he, he, was really, he was really good he's a super sweet guy you know he 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 really cares about filmmaking he cares about acting he shows up you know he had he'd actually been sick the night before and then he shows up to shoot needs of the one kind of you know, not feeling so good, but, but he drove the three hours to the studio, 
got out and, and played the part like nothing was wrong. And he's just, man, he's a soldier. He, 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 he takes on whatever acting role in whatever day, he takes it real seriously. And, and I thought he did a great job too. And I appreciate you saying so. Absolutely. Well, speaking, and speaking of just standing there like a guard, I want to talk about your little Easter egg, or at least one little Easter egg that I noticed uh, in this production. <laughs> is it okay if I bring this up, or is this a spoiler alert? Sure, sure, I, yeah. I, yeah, so, um, so one very excellent little Easter egg that I saw was, um, you know, Savan, the husband, comes into the room and he brings two Vulcan guards with him. And one of them uh, is very recognizable. Mr. Tyler <laughs> Donovan was one of those, uh, was one of those guards and, you know, followers of the Avalon universe will know Mr. Tyler Donovan as Captain Derek Mason, of course. Yep. And, um, and then, so I saw that and I was like, Hey, that's uh, Tyler Donovan. That's really cool. And then I watched the credits, man. <laughs> then I watched the credits and I was like, what? So I know, the, right? So in the credits, um, Tyler Dunneman is given credit named as Cybok. So Cybok. tell me more about yeah. that. So I, I thought it would be really funny if Tyler were just there in the background. You know, like he's he's the lead actor of the whole shoot match, but I was like, what if he was just there in the background because – I thought that'd be funny. So I was like, hey, you know, would you come up on this day and just, you know, put on some Vulcan ears and stand in the background and we'll see if anyone spots you, you know? And he was like, he was like, oh, yeah, sure, dude. You know, and he shows up. <laughs> and they they put him in the makeup and he's got this beard, right? Yeah. They put him in the makeup and he walks out and his, his, his like, one of his friends who came with him was like, oh, Tyler, you look so stupid. And she starts laughing at him. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, dude, you look like Lawrence Luckinbill. Like, you, <laughs> you look exactly like him. You look like Cybok. And so he came out, and he did those scenes, and I was like, I'm just going to put you in the credits of Cybok. It doesn't make any sense. I'm just going to do it. And he's like, oh, sure. Sounds good, man. This is the Avalon universe. A, we can do whatever we want. That's right. And And there was a – there's another little Tyler Easter egg there that I don't know if any of you caught. Uh, there's a part where uh, Commander Allenby does an impression of Jaconde. Yes, and it's his voice. Where she <laughs> and it's, Ty, it, it's not Jaconde. It's not Warren Hawk. Right. It's Tyler. It's his voice. I was like, something's wrong with his voice. <laughs> because, like, Tyler and I will talk on the phone, and our big thing is we do, we do impressions a lot. And so we'll get on the phone and we'll be talking to each other as other people. You know what I mean? I do it. He does it. And he did an, an impression of Warren Hawk that was just so scary good that I was just like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Because I had originally written it as she does like a really bad impression of him. And it's like kind of silly. And I was like, I'm going to voice her over with you. And he starts laughing. And then he came over to my house and did it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that's it. Just, that's why you do this is, is to do silly stuff like that. You know what I mean? This is why you make fan films to have fun, you know, to, to enjoy right. the, the filmmaking process. Now, listen, Joshua, before I pass you along, I, I, I have told you a lot about what I like about this film. There's one little issue that we have to talk about that I do not understand. And I need okay. your help as the creator of this work <laughs> to, to, 
to tell me what I am missing because I'm sure okay. that I'm missing something. There, okay. there is a scene um, with Taprin. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe. Let's see. I believe it's um, late, and it's after the the briefing room scene where her husband, um, you know, mm. is is revealed and that kind of thing. And then there's this like little cutaway where she picks up this kind of uh, cylindrical shaped thing. It's kind of like red and mm-hmm. silver. And then like the next time we see her, her hair is totally different. What, what, what is right. going on? What is going on? She, she's decided to change her appearance. I, that's what I figured. So Be- tell me more about that. What is that thing? So I, it's, it's, it's a tool that would allow her to change and grow her hair. You know, it's a magical 23rd ah, century hickey that would allow her to, because, you know, the, the appearance of the whole bowl wig and all, all of that, was, right. uh, you know, that's that every Vulcan looks like that. It's real monolithic. And she's like, well, I don't want to be that. I want to embrace, you know, beauty and, you know, being a woman and this sort of thing. So she decides she's going to change her hair and she's going to change kind of her appearance to more, um, you know, to more reflect who she is, who, what her identity is to herself. That's the motivation why the character does it. The actual reason is I just hated the wig. Yeah. <laughs> and I wondered but, if that fight could actually go down with that wig on too. I didn't, I, well, we, we could have tried it. I didn't want to, and I didn't, and I didn't like the wig. Like the wig drove me nuts, and I kept waffling back, back and forth on the wig because I, I personally didn't like the wig, but at the same time, you know, there were a couple of different. Last time we did a Vulcan, we did it without the bowl cut wig. Got a lot of comments about Vulcans don't look like this, and then, you know, I got a few voices saying you should hold on. Sorry, my earpiece fell out. I got a few voices saying, you know, you should do this. It will look more authentic. And so I kind of decided to split the difference and go, okay, we'll do, the, we'll do the wig until this moment, and then we'll make this another defining thing for her that she changes her appearance when she embraces who she is. So she's one person at the beginning, and she's a different person at the end. She's had some character growth and character change. Okay, that is the way that I read it, so I'm super glad to hear that I read that correctly and that that was a little device that, like, changed the way that she mm-hmm. looked and felt. And she also, you know, she shows up with the tattoo on her arm, which is a very sweet tat, by the way. Is that the, the actress's natural tattoo, or is that something you put on Yeah, for the that's show? just something she already had, but we were like, it looks super Vulcan, so you should just it looks keep super it. super Vulcan. It's, like, super geometric yeah. and kind of had that. So yeah. Somebody asked her where she got it while we were filming. She's like, I got it on the planet Vulcan. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, she obviously plays, you know, and, and you have the Avalon universe, so you, you've got a little bit of wiggle room here where you don't have to adhere to, quote, you know, capital yeah. C canon. Uh, she does play a little slightly more emotional Vulcan, granted, one that's going through Pond Far, so a very good reason to be <laughs> an emotional Vulcan. Yeah. Um, but I liked the development of her character and the different things that you did with her. So, um, well, so you. nice work. Um, the Califi was great. I want to pass this along to my co-host before I take up all your time. So, um, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Thank, thanks very much for chatting. Thank Jim, you. Who, who do you want to have go next? Here? Well, I just had one quick question I wanted to ask before uh, we're joined by Cora, and that is. 
uh, did you did you film this with at Ray Tessie's uh, studios down in Georgia, or was it at uh, Studio sixty six? Is it? There's, I was. What's where yeah. did you film this? My question. It was it was filmed in both locations. Actually, it was filmed both at uh, Neutral Zone Studios and Warp sixty six. So we we trying to be smart. We made a trip to neutral zone in February and like, okay, we're going to shoot, you know, three different elements of three different films while we're down there. We only ended up coming back with material for two. Um, well, we shot all three. One of the films was not usable, but um, so we shot elements for needs of the one while we were down there. And then we came back and did three more shooting days in Arkansas. Um, two of those sh- shooting days were, at Warp 66 Studios, and then the third shooting day was um, was at a local martial arts studio called Inferno Fitness and Martial Arts, which is like a block away from my house. Now, the interesting thing about Cora that you can bring up with her is that she also owns a martial arts studio. She is a, a, a just a legit kick-ass black belt martial arts instructor, and that's one of the reasons that that I wanted to really bring her on board is because she had both the acting ability and the ability to do the stunts. Same with Wade King, same with Blake Bryant. All, all three of them were actors who also did martial arts. So when we choreographed the fight scenes for the Cali feet, I didn't have to like have someone teach them the moves like I've had to do in the past. They knew them. And so I could just say, we're going to go from a, you know, a, a butterfly sweep to a Toriando pass to this, and then we could go through the progression, and they just knew what it was. Wow, that, and that is awesome. And let me just – did you work with Ray? Did Ray help you out on any of this when you were down there at all? Ray testing? Uh, yeah. You know, Ray and I have spent a lot of time together this year because I shot – I've shot uh, two episodes of Tales from the Neutral Zone with him. Uh, we shot another one called The Test of Time that's going to be coming out soon. Um, I shot two episodes of Dreadnought Dominion. So I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time at Neutral Zone Studios over you know, the past few months leading into this. One thing I will mention is that specifically with regards to this film, you know, it really is the little film that could in a lot of ways because – we were supposed to shoot it in January, and what happened was everybody got COVID, and we had to cancel it. Then we, we were going to shoot it in February, and uh, there was a snowstorm, and we couldn't, couldn't go shoot it. So we decided that we're going to start the year in Kingsland. Now, unfortunately, while we were there, there was some behind-the-scenes drama with a few of our cast members that could not be overcome. Um, Ray Tessie and Neutral Zone Studios are good people and they rolled out the red carpet for us and they treated our production very, very well. And there were a few members of our cast who took advantage of this and disrespected it. And after this occurred, we, we felt that it, you know, mutually felt that it was probably best if those actors did not continue on with us. Um, a few left for that reason. They were issued kind of a ban from neutral zone studios. They were asked not to come back ever. 
but our production and myself were, were invited back. Ray will back me up on this. I feel like I handled the situation the best I could with the knowledge that I had at the time, and I'm very confident in that. But what ended up having to happen was as soon as that incident had occurred, we had to recast several parts. And so as a result, you know, we have a new actress playing Commander Allenby, so on and so forth. It's just kind of how it shook out. That's too bad. We we had Ray on the yeah. on the podcast not too long ago, and he and he he's a really great guy. Well, Ray was really really helpful during this whole situation. It was hard on a lot of people. It was very hard, and and like I said, you do these fan films because you want to have a good time, because you want to enjoy this time with your friends. And some you know a couple of our actors took advantage of this situation. They were very disrespectful. Ray was very, very, very kind and very, very helpful in not only addressing it, but helping us to determine what actually happened because a lot of it happened when I wasn't around. It happened sort of, it wasn't going on while we were filming. It was sort of off, offset issues. And so Ray and his staff did a really good job of looking into, talking to people, figuring out what happened. And it, it was really, really helpful and and it helped us moving forward and we will be going back to neutral zone studios to be to shoot more films so uh let me ask you what can you tell us uh what would you like to tell us about the character of t'prin well what i would tell you about the character of t'prin is that she is a she's a vulcan female kind of like a lot of vulcan women like like t'prin or in many of the others you've seen who she grew up on Vulcan. She was taught that emotion was sort of a bad thing, logic, all that sort of stuff. She was pledged to uh, someone, you know, a, a Vulcan, a young Vulcan who grew up to become a diplomat and a, and a, and a politician at the age of seven. Upon growing up, she decided that she did not want to engage in that marriage, and so she left Vulcan for sort of an exo-medical exchange program to become a healthcare worker, ended up on the USS Excalibur, and then sort of it went from there. Excellent. That's, that's a good lead-in, because without further ado, guess who we have on the line with us right now, actress who brought the character up to print to life. And, of course, I'm talking about none other than Cora Wilson herself. Welcome to the show, Cora. Hi. It's, it's, uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you for, for visiting with us, Josh. was just speaking of your greatness, and here you are. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Definitely. So, of course, we have to start off with asking you the obvious question, were you a Star Trek fan before you landed this role? So I, it like breaks my heart because I'm like, man, they're going to ask me that question. And I am not a Star Trek fan, but I am not like, I just never got into it as a kid. Um, and growing up, like that wasn't something that my like parents had on TV. It wasn't really like something that was just in the household. Um, but I've always knew about it, and you know what? I always knew about. I always knew about Vulcan. That was like the only thing I knew about. So um, it was really cool to um, like when Josh was telling me about the role, and I was like, "Hold on, 
do I get to have ears? And he's like, yes. And I was like, okay, like I'm in 2000%. If I get some ears, I'm in. Um, but my husband and I, after we talked about it, we kind of started doing film study. My husband's super into television, movies. He has a huge TV and movie buff. So we started uh, every night uh, watching episodes. So that was really fun. And what did you, did you look at Mr. Spock to, to come up with his character or, uh, or Tuvok? Or did you just kind of come up with her on your own? Well, you know, I kind of like, so after reading the script and I kind of, I had my opinions on who I thought she was. And then I asked Josh, I was like, okay, so I want to know, I I know what I think, but who do you think she is? And then I watched, you know, the episode where um, the whole pond far with Spock is all involved and that I really enjoyed that. And that was fun. So I would say it's a, it's a bit of a mix between all three of those things, like, kind of basing it off of Spock and what goes on and then me, you know, feeling the character and, you know, um, having my own opinions about who she is. And then, of course, you know, I wanted to make sure that I represented her the way that Josh wanted her represented, too. So, Well, you, you did an excellent job, I want to say. So well, thank congratulations you. That was on my that. First time. Thank you. I, I have not acted in a long time. I'm pretty much a full-time martial artist and – Unfortunately, just with running a gym, I don't get to act as much. And I actually will say that teaching children is almost like a performance each time. Um, But I was really nervous coming into this. And honestly, the cast and the crew was so nice. Like, I just had to brag about the crew. Like, they were so encouraging. We would do a scene, and these people that I'd never met before were so just – so nice and complimenting the, the actors and I could tell they like enjoyed being with each other and built each other up so that was really cool that's that is great to hear and uh Paul Paul we've been hogging up Joshua and we've been hogging up Cora so I'm going to give you an opportunity to jump in and ask a question or two if you would like to no, it's, it's great. It's been a really interesting conversation to listen to, and uh, it's super awesome to have both these guests on here. Um, it's This whole uh, universe of these films is not one, I have to admit, that I have been familiar with. So this is a new uh, discovery uh, for me, this Avalon universe, but it's super impressive to see uh, this put together. Um, it's it's funny, because I'm you know a little longer in the tooth than some of the guys on this show, right? So I... <laughs> remember some of the uh you know years and years ago some of the earlier fan films that that used to get made and it's just you kind of cringe right i mean some of the ones i've seen in the past were just like in the early days of fan filmmaking we're just you know really not great right i mean all enthusiasm (laughs) and no production values we definitely owe those films though they they really (laughs) paved the way for what we do it, both literally and figuratively, it, you know, in a sense of inspiring us to want to do this and to know that it is possible. But if you look at Avalon Universe, there's a lot of fan film history in it, especially like with the sets, for example. Uh, like Jim was talking about, some of it is shot uh, at Neutral Zone Studios, which was the sets that Starship Farragut and Star Trek Continues were shot on. Um, if you look, look at Warp 66 Studios, our bridge that we shot our bridge scenes on for this film, that's the bridge from Star Trek New Voyages. 
You know, well, so uh, I just think it's and, super and impressive. Back. I mean, I really do. I, um, uh, I was very impressed by what I saw. I mean, this this is you know, I mean, uh, Jim said, "Hey, it's a work in progress," and I go, "This is looks fantastic." Is. I mean, it's fantastic. <laughs> I appreciate it. What you guys watched is what I referred to as the patient on the operating table with their guts hanging out. You know, the the, the film was not the film's not really complete, or at least the version you saw. Um, and it's probably going to take me right up until a couple of days before it goes out for me for, for it to get to a place where I want it to be. You know, like one, one thing we talked about is how we shot in an actual martial arts school. Well, there were lots of wall outlets, <laughs> 20th century wall <laughs> outlets. And so I've been using the AI roto brush and Adobe After Effects to paint them out. Wow. So when you actually watch the movie, there won't be wall outlets there. You'll, you'll never know that's they were there. That's phenomenal. So, but I, I just think everybody involved, uh, kudos, you know, and, and well, in particular, you. it's just, uh, you know, I, you run into so many people who talk about, I'm going to do this, and I want to do this, and mm-hmm. someday I'm going to do this, right? And to have a vision like this and to have an idea and then just stick to that dream anytime somebody has a creative notion like that and they are able to actually marshal it and do it i just think it's the most impressive thing in the world and to get people around you who share that vision and care about it and and clearly you know build together with with actors and 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 people behind the scenes it's it just it, it really shines through that it's a labor of love man and uh i just think you should feel really proud and uh that any other stuff that you choose to chase after in life, you're going to be able to do it because look at what you put together <laughs> here. It's, it's wonderful. So it's, uh, well, I'm well, excited to you. go back and find more of your work and uh, discover it in earnest because it's, uh, it's super great. So uh, congratulations uh, to all of you. Thank uh, you so much. Job. Yeah. It's a, it, it was definitely a team effort. It was definitely a group of people who put their time and their efforts into this. People like Cora made this happen because they, they took the time out of their schedule to come and do this and put 100% in like she did. And I have to say, it isn't easy. It's really hard. It, it is a struggle. Um, and you have to want it so badly that you don't give up on it. Um, it's probably, you know, Cora is a black belt. She can tell you how hard that struggle is. You know what I mean? It's the same kind of thing. You just don't give up. And there are so many times over the past few years, especially where Avalon Universe could have died a horrible death. And, you know, uh, you know, some of us were resilient and, and we, we kept it going. And I'm, I'm glad that the results have been as good as they are. That's pretty awesome. And you mentioned a guy driving like three hours to, to participate. I mean, People don't do that unless they're having a great experience and they believe in it, and they're probably having a lot of fun. And the, to hear you describe it, it sounds like it's a it's a great deal of fun for everybody. So uh, eighteen hours drive in neutral zone from, from oh where we're at. So. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Well, you're able to galvanize a group together to believe in a in a in a wonderful thing. So it really shows, man. So good for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And. Uh, all right. Well, well, we'll jump over to Charles. I'm sure Charles might have some questions for Cora or Josh. Oh, a few, a few I'm going to throw in. Uh, one thing that Eric threw in, did you actually build the battle sticks or do you actually find props to do those? Glenn Wolf built those. I, I don't know if you guys know who Glenn Wolf is. Glenn Wolf is a very pro, prolific person in fan films. Um, he's the producer, along with Dan Reynolds, of a, 
of another uh, Star Trek fan series called The Federation Files. You should totally check it out because it's awesome. Um, he's been, he, he goes, he and Dan date all the way back to Star Trek New Voyages. Uh, Glenn has, you can, you can, you call him the Where's Waldo of fan films because if you look in almost any fan film, you can find him somewhere. He's there. Even if he's in the background, he's in this film, but you would never recognize him because he was behind an alien mask. Um, <laughs> but um, he made the Lirpas. Uh, he made the, you know, the artifact for demons. He built, he built the sets that we were filming on. He's kind of a jack of all trades. He's our costume guy. He's our first AD. He's, you know, he's just an, he's a producer on our project and he's just an invaluable human being. He and Dan uh, really worked hard on this production. Dan Reynolds made the, uh, the new Avalon Universe badges for us. He, he designed and 3D printed those and painted them himself. So, you know, those are another two guys that, you know, these are people that make fan films happen. Wow. Uh, definitely I'll see one, one of the fights in the fight scene where the security officer's in there. You're going to have to erase the Everlast off his shirt. Now, I, don't think I, can, I don't think I can take that off. I, I got rid of a lot of Century Martial Arts logos off the bag, um, but I don't think I can get the Everlast off his shirt. That's, he lived, you know, 60 miles away, and that's what he showed up in. And I was like, well, I guess the Everlast lived up to their name because they Everlasted <laughs> to the 23rd century. The Century Martial Arts logos would be like, okay, it's 23rd century martial arts, you know? Well, I forgot to ask about the the badges too. I did notice that uh, you know in the past I think you've said you know Avalon Universe has different costumes, different badges. Like it's a little bit of an amalgamation of things. But now you've kind of standardized this badge, and I did notice that they were three D printed. Tell us just a little bit more about the badges now. So again, going back to the theme of all Star Trek and one Star Trek, there's so many influences there. There's there's of, of course the original inspiration is the TOS. Deltas with the symbols, but then they're the you know they're kind of the the deltas themselves are the discovery shape, but then you've added the circular back to them like Star Trek the motion picture, um, but they're worn kind of like next generation com badges, and so it's like, gosh, there's there's so much influence there, and then of course you're wearing them on Star Trek Beyond tunic, so it's like that's. That's kind of the neat thing is is that it's all a kit bash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look they look really oh, okay. good. It will be interesting to explain a smiling Vulcan in a couple of scenes. But one of the there's <laughs> one story question that I kind of jumped in there. The number ones over there saying, "Okay, we've got to go at warp eight point two to go to this place." And the Falcon ship, the ship shows up, and do we ever get there? We're supposed to get yeah, eight point two away, we're, but we never got to the place we were going. Yeah, they're going. They're going to get there in the next episode. See, ah. I, I actually did. This is this is where I've got to call myself out, okay? Because because I did what I criticized. Discovery for I went on a pointless side quest <laughs> from the main story that I'm telling. 
So I went on, I don't think it was pointless, but I went on a side quest. So I did exactly what I've criticized. So I have to call myself out for that. But I wanted to tell the story. And I wanted more time to set up that next film and to get ready for it because it's going to be the big Avalon Universe film. Uh, That one's called Crisis on Infinite Excaliburs. And so when they arrive at that destination, they're going to kind of find more than they bargained for when they get there. Ah, that's that would be a good story. It's interesting how poor number one stuck on the bridge. Like, okay, it'll take us two days to get there. It's like, okay, and the captain never actually popped in to say, how's it, how's it going, number one? Anything going on? It's like, okay, she just kind of got stuck in taking command. Yeah, he was spying on her the whole time, though. Um, yeah, but... It, it, it's kind of a thing where, you know, even though Jaconde is commanding the ship, this is really uh, Allenby's story uh, as far as the through line story. And so what he's doing is he's, you know, he's throwing her off the deep end and seeing if she's going to sink or swim. So this is her test, not just as a first officer, but Starfleet may be eyeing Allenby to become a captain. And so it was kind of their way of how are you going to do with this? And so, and if Jaconde, if he had felt that she couldn't handle it, he almost stepped in there for a second. He got out of his chair. He almost went to the bridge, but then he decided to have faith in her when, when he saw how she was handling it. And so it was kind of more about him trying to back off and give her her moment. Well, I'm looking forward to the, the next episode then as well. That'll be Let's pass it on over uh, to Aaron to uh, uh, David. Yeah. Just like regular Star Trek, we're just gonna have to wait. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask Cora a question real quick. I think Cora's you still there, Cora? Yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm just honestly enjoying the talk and listening and even learning more about like, oh, what's to come. Well, I wanted to ju- I wanted to ask you um, the fight scenes where you beat up your husband. So <laughs> being a martial artist must have come natural for you, huh? Oh, that it was tons of fun. So after we did the first fight scene, which what well, it actually it was just our scene, practice scene in the beginning, and I walked away to fix hair and makeup, and I was like, that is fun. I had so much fun. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, that's because obviously I love martial arts. So I will say that was the most exciting part. I loved the fight scenes. I would love to do more fight scenes. Um, Definitely that day flew by. It was tons of fun. And, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it looked looked really good. It it really looked good. Did a great job. Well, thank you. Yeah, I uh, even when he would film, he'd let us kind of come peek and look at the camera real quick. We had a couple funny shots and a couple um, where he's like, okay, now hit him on the head. And then we did stuff, and then I would look, and then I, like, just booped him on the head with the lerpa. I just booped, and I was like, I'm sorry. That was stupid. That, I'm Okay, but we'll, we'll scratch that. Um, but, yeah, it was tons of fun, and it was nice to – I think everybody – all the guys that were involved um, had have some martial arts training experience, so that was really cool. And we got to kind of talk about just the martial arts circuit in Arkansas, and yeah, it was just really fun and really awesome. And also, we filmed at um, one of our like sister schools, so I was very comfortable coming into that. 
Um, because I will say that, you know, I, I, other than Josh, I didn't know anybody coming into this and, um, I was definitely nervous about not having any rapport with anyone, but we instantly all clicked and had a great time. How did you land the role? Well, you know, Josh, uh, Josh was messaging my husband and he mentioned how it is, you know, I have acting experience. I have a degree in theater and speech communications. Um, I graduated college in 2014. So it had been a minute since I had been kind of into acting, but Josh mentioned how it's a lot easier to, since it had, you know, a lot of, a big part of a fight scene that he wanted to look good. He really wanted those scenes to, um, you know, be as realistic as possible. So he thought of me and about, you know, how I had, you know, a couple black belts and he said, well, it's much easier. I don't have to teach you these techniques. I could read the script and go, okay, that's what he wants. Okay. That's what we're doing. And so, yeah, pretty much because I can, you know, fight people. That's how I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's a, well, good, that's and, a good way to get her, apart. Her husband is a her husband's a super neat guy. He's really smart. He's like a scholar. He's an expert in so many things. I've spent a lot of time talking to him. He's basically Chuck Norris. Like she <laughs> kicks ass, he kicks ass. Like he's the only person who's ever put me in a wrist lock and almost made me cry. You know, like I'm really <laughs> I've got really flexible wrists, and he put me in this wrist lock. I'm like, stop, stop. You know, and, and so, um, you know, he brags on her a lot. Of course, there's a lot to brag about. And I've met Cora a few times, and she's just got a very outgoing personality. She's so nice. She's so easy to get along with. And she's very beautiful. She's skilled. It just, it just seemed like it made sense. And so, you know, I said, hey, you know, I know she's really busy. I know she's teaching classes, but do you think this is something she'd want to do? And he went and asked her, and she was, she was up for it. And, dude, she, she absolutely killed it. I mean, um, Well, you made me I, really I nervous, Josh. The first time, so I'm meeting everybody. I'm putting this wig on for the first time, and Josh walks up and goes, so, you know, this first scene we film is the most important scene in the entire film. It'll make or break it. And I was like, <laughs> wonderful. That was so encouraging. Thank you for telling me that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? You know, she came out. She knew her lines immediately. I mean, she was off book right from the start, right from the very first rehearsal. She had it all memorized. And so it was like, it was really just a matter of giving her one or two notes based on, you know, the, the two rehearsals we did. And on the first take, she nailed it. And you got to understand that there have been so many experiences I've had in fan films where people don't know their lines. And you're sitting there for 20 minutes while somebody's trying to say some, some thing that they can't get through it. You know, I've had entire fan films where, where I've just sat a character in a chair and said to someone off screen, okay, read them their line. And they read them their line off the script, and then they say it because they didn't memorize it. She showed up off book. She showed up having rehearsed. She showed up ready to go, and it made the day so much easier. I bet. I well, bet it did. thank you for all those compliments. You just made my head just, you know, I can't even fit in this room right now. <laughs> So, David, do you have a question for Josh or Cora? Something you want to ask him about the, the film that we just watched? Yeah, uh, uh, question for Josh. Um, do you plan, since this is an Avalon Studios and it's a 
not quite a canon anymore. Uh, I was just curious, do you plan to still use the red shirt trope? Uh, yeah, I actually do. Um, <laughs> you know, there, 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 are go- there are going to be more battles coming up. Trust me. Um, the final <laughs> film that we, we plan to do in this, you know, TOS era story arc is going to be called The Once and Future Captain. And there's going to be just a knockdown drag out with the Romulans. And it's, and yeah, nice. people are going to get whacked. Cool. Uh, and cool another question I have. Romulans. <laughs> another question I have. Everybody on this podcast knows that I'm obsessed with Tribbles. Are you going to be adding them in all into your show? I gotta find. I've got to find a creative way to do it. I do want to do it. However, if you like Tribbles, I would suggest there's an upcoming film from the Federation Files called Mud's Mission, and there are going to be Tribbles and all kinds of fun things in that one. I check that one out. It's going to come out a couple of weeks after ours. Okay. Cool. And it's going to have Harry Mud. <laughs> cool. Wow. I think that's all the questions I have. Thank you. All right. Well, believe it or not, we're just about out of time. Where where does it out? Where does it go? Uh, so right. I want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much to Cora for for hanging out and uh, sharing your evening with us. Thank you so much, Cora. You did a great job, Mr. Prin. Hey, thank you so much. It was fun. I appreciate the invitation. And yeah, I'm really excited to see the final film. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too, since we kind of saw a rough draft. And thank you so much to Joshua for hanging out and for sharing that rough draft with us. And are we going to see to print again? Maybe? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't, she was so amazing. Why not? You know, there, there's a story there. We just saw the beginning of her journey. There's no reason not to revisit it and, and see how she continues to grow. Like I said, she may kill some Romulans. Uh, hashtag, you know, hashtag bring back Cora. <laughs> let's, bring, let's definitely do that. Um, and uh, the, the Needs of the One comes out July 28th, so that's next Thursday. It'll be on the Avalon Universe YouTube channel. I, I can't wait to see the completed version of it myself. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I also want to take a yeah. moment here to say thank you very much to Mike McCord from uh, Fan Fest in Schenectady, New York. And remember, you guys, you can get a 30% discount on tickets to that show by going to their website and using the code LLAP, Live Long and Prosper. So thank you so much for doing that for us, Mike. And I want to say thank you so much to our very own Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. You bet. Thanks, guys. Fun night. And thank you so much to Charles for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you, Charles. Oh, a lot of fun, even if we didn't have a Trek show to talk about. Now it's the first time in, in weeks without a new Trek show, but we got through it. And thank you so much to our very own Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Jim. This was great. An excellent time, as always. It was fun, wasn't it? And, of course, thank you so much to our very own David for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you, David. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. And I want to let you guys know that on Monday, we're going to have our first book nook back in a while, and we're going to talk about Star Trek Picard, Rogue Elements. So check that out. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying, please, guys, stay safe, be good to each other, 
Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Thanks. Night. Long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.